Hey, everybody. Welcome to the pre-roll for ELL-164. And having just come from the California Libertarian Convention, I'm going to tell you that you can still get involved. You can influence the way the party's going. Maybe you're a Mises Caucus guy. Maybe you're a Radical Caucus guy. Maybe you're a gal who likes Berman Supreme in his boot for president. Or maybe you want Hornberger to come out and lead the party in a different direction. One way to do that is to go to lp.org forward slash Lions of Liberty. We get a nice kickback. You get to kick some ass and tell Sawark where he can shove it. Or you can tell him to come over and pet your gerbil. I don't know. It depends on where you sit on Nick. Anyway, lp.org forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's happening out there, my Liberty Pirates? Arg to each and every one of you. I am Brian McWilliams, and this is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 164. All the show notes for today's episode can be found at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL164. And before I get into the show proper and talk about the Libertarian Convention, talk about Michael Bloomberg, welcome to the jungle, Bloomberg! Welcome to the jungle, bitch! Anyway. Before I get into that, I want to tell you about another podcast you guys should check out. Guys that are supporting our show at the highest level that we have right now. Makes me think we need a higher level. <laughs> but check out Good Morning Liberty, which is hosted by our pals Nate and Charlie, two musicians, two uh, actors, two activists for Liberty, both of whom have kind of interesting backgrounds in that they are professional musicians. They've played in bands that have been on MTV. They have uh, themselves been featured in commercials and on, te- on television fairly often, which is humorous when you can go and Google people and find them just like you can Google my stand-up comedy if you'd be so inclined. But anyway, Good Morning Liberty is a everyday podcast. So when you're Jones in between Electric Liberty Land and Felony Friday, let's say, you can find them every day of the week spouting liberty, talking about the ways we're going to move things forward. So make sure to check that out. You can go to goodmorningliberty.com or their other website, which I greatly enjoy, bernielies.com. Remember, that's Good Morning Liberty, available anywhere you can find a podcast. They're going to be there for you. So I'm back from the uh, Libertarian National Convention. Or no, I'm sorry, not the National Convention, the California Convention. And by back, I mean I'm the three miles back to my house <laughs> because the convention was very, very conveniently placed this year uh, compared to uh, to years previous where it was a little bit of a hike out in the middle of nowhere. So today, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the last couple of days, Mark and I had attended the California convention where we are both delegates. So we did have voting rights and privileges and I'll keep it. I'll keep who I voted to uh, or voted for to myself, but you could probably guess who, who would went to. I will say that it aligned pretty closely with uh, the way the polls shook out, which was Jacob Hornberger winning in a dominating fashion. He almost doubled, I think more than doubled the votes that the next runner up Adam Kokesh got, which by the way, Mark and I did have a nice long chat with Jacob Hornberger, uh, who's a lovely man, and also with, of course, the uh, the very kind Adam Kokesh right after the poll results were announced. We got to sit down, talk with them about their platforms in depth, and ask them some uh, some other questions, kind of elaborate on what they were doing, some thoughts that we had. Uh, Kokesh elaborated on a pretty fascinating story about his being in the military uh, that involved torture. Uh, not of him, but him taking, uh, well, you know what, I'll leave that for Monday. 
Make sure you listen to Monday's show. Mark's going to have our interviews with Jacob and Adam and a bunch more stuff in there. However, I'm going to air my uh, my chat with Mark and Michael Bolden from 10th Amendment Center at the end of the show today. But what you do have to join the pride for is the after after party recordings that Mark did. I think he did Mark Whitney uh, after after hours at uh, at his suite at the hotel. And I'm not sure who else he got because I had to go home because it was late and I had to work the next day and I have a damn baby. So I don't even know what's what's to be had yet. I haven't gotten that far. So make sure you join the pride lionsofliberty.com forward slash Patreon and uh, make sure that you do listen in on Monday. But anyway, yeah, the Libertarian Convention in California, pretty sweet. Um, you know, we had a lot of fans come up, but I do want a, a th- quick throw out to thank some people that came up to me. I know uh, Matthew Butts came up. He was uh, actually very helpful to us on the show as well, helping to pull over. He actually pulled Jacob Hornberger over during our live podcast we were doing, which was great. Uh, Casey came up. That was really nice. Also had uh, Josh come up, say hi. So thank you guys to the people that came up and took time. Also, a big thank you to Angela McCardle, who's here in Los Angeles and uh, and is really at the forefront of the L.A. Libertarian Party. And uh, for booking us, Mark and I both did talks at the event. Mark did one about the foundations of a lot of people that came to the Libertarian Party. I did mine on taking comedy back. Uh, Both were very well attended. So if you're out there, thank you for coming. I think mine probably had about 40, 45 people in it, which is great. And uh, it went well, I will say, especially considering I was low on sleep and obviously didn't have a lot of time to put this together. It went over very well. And I look forward to expanding on that talk and adding to it and putting a little more things in play for libertarians to actively participate in uh, kind of like a how-to more than conceptually, which is what the talk was about this time around. So interesting time though, uh, as you'd imagine, uh, you know, it's like herding cats, but it was interesting hearing the debates go on between the different candidates for president. I was impressed for supposed to foremost by Jacob Hornberger. I thought had a fantastic debate. Uh, Adam Kokesh also had a very strong debate and I was it was interesting to see because I really hadn't seen Adam debate before. I've hung out with him in his trailer. I've seen him give random talks here and there. Uh, I've heard him talk about his book before, but I haven't seen him try to be a little bit more official. And he came across very well, even though some people might be turned about because he is basically calling for a complete teardown of everything. You know, his promise is I will retire. I will resign on day one. Should I become president? So I can see that being difficult for some people to get their heads around. Um, and then the other person that really stood out, I mean, Mark Whitney was good. I uh, I liked him, but as you'll hear on the on the the post recap, I feel that other people, well, number one, I feel that he needs a little bit more recognition within the party before he he takes on a mantle of presidential candidate. Then again, Bill fucking Weld was vice president a few years ago, so what do I know? Um, but he came across pretty well. I think he needs to focus a little bit more on some of his other libertarian credentials. He has a little bit of a personal story he tries to lead with, and I think that's the wrong approach. Uh, Vermin Supreme was up there. I thought that Vermin had a great debate as well. He came in last in the poll. I think most people, just because they view him as a, you know, a side character, but he makes an excellent point. He had a hashtag he wanted to use, and I tweeted about this, hashtag, we're in on the joke. So if he ran, he would use that hashtag and say, look, we know this is a character, but while he's doing a character, we're in on the joke. This is turning the system on its head. This is making fun of the, what's going on in politics and the system and how everything is, is a parody of what it should be as far as the way we live our lives as free individuals. So I thought he came across uh, very well. Lincoln Chafee, the most odd, awkward person on stage. I mean, just indescribably awkward, trying to make himself fit in against the crowd, which I think... 
I think he knew at least a good portion of the crowd was against him, but he still did get a decent number of votes. He came in third. So there you have it. And then Joe Jorgensen, which I'm not familiar with her at all. She was, she was fine. <laughs> she was fun. But overall, fun time. I would definitely go again. Uh, I enjoyed being able to take part in that. I enjoyed uh, finally getting to meet Larry Sharp in person. He was there. And actually, Larry, Larry is a, he is impassioned and a good part of the party, man. He was the one going around handing out the ballots for people for the straw poll and just being as active as you can be. So uh, yeah, God bless you, Larry. All right. That's that. I'll leave, I'll leave the rest of it to Mark so I can move on to something else because I, I got to get into this Bloomberg stuff. And if you've been living in a hole and missed this whole thing, obviously, Michael Bloomberg is coming to the race. He's the former New York mayor. He's got more money than Jesus. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit combined don't have as much bucks as Michael Bloomberg. Obviously, he also has at his disposal a media empire in Bloomberg Media, which has newspapers and websites and television shows and financial reports and everything under the sun. They own, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of all the different publications they own, but he's got that all. Business Week they own. So he's got these billions of dollars, which he is now spending just massive ad buys. If you have, I mean, God, I think it was like during the Super Bowl, he had an ad. If you turn on any of these shows, like I was watching some streaming program and every goddamn time it was a stop. And I think it was, I think it was something like ridiculous. My wife was watching like some reality show and in the middle of hillbillies fighting each other and puking off of balconies, you got a Michael Bloomberg every time. You know, it was like that kind of ad buy, heavy in the digital space, trying to reach young people. However, the irony is that while he's risen, the people that he's taking are predominantly, I think, Biden supporters. Because, and, and there's going to be an irony to that too. Because we've seen Joe Biden completely just flame out and die. He Every time he's asked about anything, he has no answer on Hunter Biden. He has no answer for why his campaign is doing badly. Some reporter tried to ask him a question. He goes, oh, why, 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 why? And he's just, he's going senile. You know, it's like, I, can't, I made some joke about it on the last podcast. The man simply cannot hold up to the struggle of being in the public eye to this extent. And it's funny. I mean, Bernie Sanders is the one that had the fucking heart attack. And yet we've got Joe Biden out there. He certainly seems to be the one that's still suffering from the stroke because the man can't talk. He can't think he's it's like I'm waiting for applesauce to drool out of the right side of his mouth while the left side of his eye is bleeding out the face. I mean, he can, you cannot have a worse campaign than this. In the meantime, he's still sticking in it. And now you got Democrats just shitting their pants because they don't know what to do. They've either got this crazy radical and Bernie Sanders coming out there who I think is destined to lose no matter what support he might glean from the left. He's going to lose to Trump. I, I don't think anybody at this point is going to beat Donald Trump unless Michelle Obama gets in the race somehow. But he's losing all these voters. They're now going to flock to somebody else and they don't trust Bodie Judge. They don't think you know, they see Mayor Pete. They, he's become one of the establishment candidates. They look at him. They kind of go, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. He doesn't have a lot of experience. They see Klobuchar, but they finally figured out to paste her hair down so that she doesn't look like an insane cockatoo on the prowl for sweet cockatoon, cockapoon. You know, so they got that glued down. She somehow has support, despite the fact she brings absolutely nothing of, of substance to the table other than bad jokes. But she's getting some support as people desperately look for alternatives to Biden that aren't these radicals. And Elizabeth Warren, well, she's just she's losing ground faster than the Native Americans did when they were fighting their goddamn cavalry. I'm sorry if that's un-PC because one of the topics that we did talk about at the convention was Adam Kokesh made it a prominent point that Native American rights do need to be respected and people on the platform have to have a take on that, giving them back their sovereignty. And I support that completely. 
Now, getting back to Bloomberg. You've got Donald Trump already already cracking wise about it because of this meteoric rise he's had as people flow to him from Biden and from Warren, and they flow to him from these ad buys he's done in, in targeted states. And of course, though, being an old, super rich New York Jewish guy who's been rolling with the wealthy elites for his entire life and been a crass asshole because he didn't need to have interpersonal skills, because, you know, when you're that rich... You don't have to be nice. He's got a long trail of shitty things that he said that are now being dug up and displayed for the public. Now, the first one that really got people starting to look a little deeper into it is, of course, something that we have opposed since the start of things, which is the stop and frisk policy, which is, of course, a completely unreasonable search and seizure of people, stopping them illegally, no warrants, no need, just put them against the wall, search their person based upon absolutely nothing other than probably the color of their skin. Now, this is backed up by Bloomberg specifically saying as such. And he was quoted in you know, giving a speech to some group, essentially saying, look, we throw them up against the wall and we always know who it is. It's always the same black kids between the ages of you know, like 16 and 25. Those are the people that commit all the crime. Once we get them, we get all the crime. We're going to take care of it. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and I'm doing a better job of it than Michael Sch- or uh, Adam Schiff did when talking about Trump. But. The concept is the same, and I, I think I've only paraphrased maybe two words out of that. Point being, Michael Bloomberg is not going to be very popular with the PC. Now, granted, there is actually some truth to that in that a lot of the violence crime does, in fact, come from a very small segment of the population, and they happen to be, in a lot of times and a large part, African-American males between the ages of 16 and you know, whatever, 28 or 32, whatever it might be. And these are stats that are easily found, easily available. And it's just because of the high level of violence and crime that are in areas like, you know, suburban or not suburban, uh, you know, like concentrated areas of Chicago or like back in L.A. in the old Compton days where you'd have incredibly violent sectors that account for a vast majority of the violence in you know the United States per capita. If you look at it from that that perspective those people are doing a lot of the crime. Now, that doesn't excuse over-policing. That doesn't excuse personal violation of rights. It doesn't uh, It doesn't justify completely getting rid of your civil liberties because you're trying to stop a certain level of crime or trying to achieve a stated goal of, you know, whatever Bloomberg had said at the time, lowering crime by 30%. And there's other ways to lower crime by 30%, by the way, and they don't involve performing random searches and throwing people up against brick walls constantly. So that was the first thing that really raised people's ire up. And then it got worse from there. And I know it's shocking to say, considering we're talking about a stop and frisk policy that is so horrible uh, to say that that's not the worst thing. But the fact is, it got worse. And here's how. People dug up you know, these old reports. There, was old, there were old lawsuits that came up. And these primarily played upon his sexism. And some of these things are pretty outrageous, even if you are a... Uh, a leftist that's in favor of abortion, you're not going to like this. So this one, uh, first one they read is from a Washington Post that published a 1997 lawsuit against Bloomberg and his company filed by Saikiko Sakai Garrison. And he said misogynistic comments to Garrison and other female employees. Here's one. In her lawsuit, Garrison alleged that when she told Bloomberg she was pregnant, he responded, kill it, and said it again when she asked him to repeat himself. Then he said, great, number 16, after hearing how many employees had gotten pregnant. 
<laughs> and another person, I guess, confirmed Garrison's account, saying he talked crudely all the time about women. He'd often say, I'd fuck that in a second after seeing certain people. Uh, another time he said, uh, apparently, allegedly, told several female employees that all you girls should line up to give a oral sex to a male coworker who's getting married. And this one is really uh, the top of the pops when we're talking about some of these, I don't know, comments that can be taken as sexist slash racist. It's a fucking baby, he said, according to the lawsuit. And this is uh, in response to somebody saying she has trouble taking, having somebody take care of her child. It's a fucking baby, he said. All you need is some black who doesn't have to speak English to rescue it from a burning building. So, you know, there's that. And then there's a final one, which is a lawsuit from a former employee, Mary Ann Alzowski, who said that a supervisor allegedly raped her. However, this article does not say if there was a settlement. I presume there was a settlement. Otherwise, we would probably hear a lot more of it. But it's just amazing to me, right? We see all these people fleeing from Biden, this senile, incapable lunatic who can't defend himself in any way, has no answers for any of the tough questions, and can't seem to get his own foot out of his mouth, to a millionaire candidate, another old white guy, right? That the, the, the left hates white guys. Another old white guy millionaire who's trying to, or billionaire, he's trying to buy his way into the campaign through millions of dollars in ad buys. Meanwhile, has atrocious things in his past, sexual harassment, uh, racism, stop and frisk policies. And yet he's running on his, his history as a mayor of New York City. He's trying to tout that. Never mind the fact that we haven't even gotten into the soda bans he tried to do, all the prohibitions he put into place. Trump would have a field day with him. He would absolutely rip him to shreds. In the meantime, you're going to lose every single person on the left that's a Bernie supporter or a Warren supporter. Neither of those people are going to be supporting Bloomberg. And honestly, you know, Bernie Sanders supporters, if they lose anything, like it's they're Bernie or bust. They always have been. They always will be. Some of them I can even see going back to Trump if he doesn't get it. I shit you not because the personality trait in that tends to be, oh, yes, maybe they want some change. Maybe they want universal health care. But a lot of them are simply anti-establishment, anti-system. And they're going to go, well, Trump now is that guy. Hopefully someone would come to our side. But to be honest, in this election cycle, I don't see the, the uh, Libertarian Party having that much of a chance. And that's actually candidly what most of our candidates have stated themselves. Uh, and again, you can hear more about that because I asked that question specifically of Jacob Hornberger when we sat down with him uh, at the convention. So make sure you listen to Monday's show. So anyway, that's our Bloomberg. Welcome to hell, baby. It's only going to get worse from here. I mean, if those are the first things they dug up, just wait and see what's going to come out of the woodwork next, because those are some pretty horrible things to say. And I can excuse something, you know, like saying you want to bang people. I don't know. I, I can't get that upset about that. We've all said it in context, you know, as Trump said, locker room talk. If I'm going to give Trump a pass on that, which I did, I'm definitely going to give Bloomberg a pass on it. And I do, um, you know, you're talking to some other guy making an offhand comment. I'm sure women, I know for a fact that women do the same thing. Look at that ass. I'd, uh, I'd go down on him in the lunchroom, whatever it might be. We all do it. However, telling somebody that having childcare isn't an issue and they should just find some black to take their kid out of a burning building. You know, that's a little bit worse. That crosses a, a few lines, a few different times. So anyway, and I, again, this is the best Democratic primary season of my lifetime. It just, it can't get any better. You go from crazy Biden to Elizabeth Warren completely imploding to having 
fucking Bloomberg come in the race and just be exposed as the most racist, uh, nutball, elitist, chauvinistic millionaire that's ever lived. <laughs> just, I just love it. Harvey Weinstein's probably looking at him and like, ah, good. Somebody else is getting the treatment. Too funny. Okay, let's move on to another topic. Oh, you know what? I want to talk about Roger Stone. Because Roger Stone is going to prison, as of now, sentenced between something like seven and nine years for three different counts uh, that he was charged with. One is perjury, lying to Congress, which is just a bullshit process crime. One is witness tampering. Uh, or witness intimidation, I believe, is the technical way they uh, they described it. And obstruction. Our favorite non-crime, in my opinion, obstruction, which I have railed against in the past. I, I've, apparently, you're supposed to be completely complicit, roll over for the government, even if you think you're innocent of a crime, and just, you know, basically... It's like uh, the concept of obstruction to me doesn't make any fucking sense uh, it, on any level. Doesn't make sense that you're not allowed to to look out, try to uh, try to cover your ass if you think that somebody's going to come and get you, and then if they figure out that you did cover your ass and they are coming to get you, well then you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, kiss my ass. So anyway. Again, this is all stemming from the Mueller investigation, an investigation which found nothing, found no evidence of wrongdoing. And of course, it's also tied in a way to WikiLeaks because Roger Stone had lied about his connections to WikiLeaks and lied about this and that to, to Congress, even though even on that front. And, uh, and I think that also is where the witness tampering comes in, if I'm remembering correctly. And again, and I apologize. I just haven't had time to dive into every nook and cranny of exactly why they, uh, they brought this up. But I remember reading in the past, I believe it was about Something in regards to WikiLeaks, the witness tamper came in. Regardless, these are all crimes that are typically non-functioning. If there is not a Mueller investigation, they would have never happened. They've impacted almost nobody. I mean, there's no effect down the line. There's no, not even a ripple effect that somehow impacted anything else in our society other than Roger Stone being dragged in front of Congress, trying to protect himself and then getting politically roasted on the spit because they want to try to make an example. This is a man accused of it for the first time of a nonviolent crime. It's not like he's out there shooting people and selling drugs, which the government hates. No, no nonviolent crime of basically working as a conduit for Donald Trump and working on behalf of Donald Trump and then being asked about it and either misre misremembering or intentionally lying, which now they've decided the government prosecutors that again, in a politicized environment, led by a lead juror who is an avowed Trump hater and has posted on social media, possibly in violation of, uh, of you know, what she was questioning on to get on this jury in the first place, said she didn't know who Roger Stone was, and then goes and posts a long diatribe on Facebook about him. But leading this, this you know, this case, overseeing it, an Obama-appointed judge, it just seems like it's all too politically cute. And then to sentence him to seven to nine years, which is more than people who have committed murders, more than people, more than ch sometimes rapists, more than child molesters, more than any number of people who've done far more heinous crimes because he committed the cardinal sin of being on the side of Donald Trump. So let's send this old man. And, and also, let's not forget that they sent a fucking SWAT team to his house in the middle of the night to arrest him. Again, a 75-year-old man, whatever he might be, kicking in his door. And meanwhile, scaring the living shit out of his wife, who I think is either deaf or blind. Or she has some malady. And you got this man, what's he going to do? But no, let's send an armed SWAT team to his house, kicking the door in the middle of the night in this grand show, which CNN was tipped off on because they were right there on the scene, coincidentally, to document all of this. 
Then let's chow them out here, throw this whole kangaroo court out and stick them in jail for nine months or nine years. And then because Donald Trump gets out and says, this is ridiculous. This is a travesty. We should, you know, we should, this is a, and a completely politicized process. And then you've got Barr saying, okay, well, let's, I'm going to step in here and stop this. Now they say, okay, well, this is a, a complete abdication of, of all the rules of law. And this is overstepping the president's bounds. This is against the constitution and the, everybody in the department of justice should be, uh, should resign. And you have all these judges that are saying, oh, we can't wait to get together. This is absurd. What's absurd is the fucking status of the administrative state right now. When you've got these people that are appointed, that are politicized, that are coming in and out, you've got overturned people, depending on who's coming into office, who's leaving office, of course there is going to be a politicization in that system. And it's sick to see people cry about the rule of law and how Trump is somehow violating this when clearly we're seeing it on display with Roger Stone and what's happened to him. Roger Stone, by the way, has been on the Lions of Liberty podcast two times. I like him. He's a nice guy. But it's just sick to see how low everything has become when we see, you know, this law is supposed to be applied equally across anybody. Your politics aren't supposed to matter. And then we see that somebody is clearly being sent to jail for one reason, and that is their association with Donald Trump, just like with General Flynn. Flynn, who, by the way, committed nothing that was illegal except perjury. He lied to Congress and he didn't even lie to Congress. He was tricked into it by the FBI under who? Oh yeah. Andrew McCabe and James Kobe are working over there, right? So those two guys, even though they also specifically lied to Congress under oath multiple times, they're not being thrown into jail for seven to nine years. They're not like General Flynn who's going to jail because he misremembered when an email was sent. Not to mention Hillary fucking lizard woman Clinton and her old burlap sack walk-in closet of debate-ready attire, she's not going to prison. Oh, why? That's right, because James Comey said that she didn't have the intent to uh, to commit a felony by you know putting all these documents on the servers that she destroyed and wiped clean, or the blackberries that she destroyed with hammers. No, no, no. She lied to us, but it wasn't intentional. So she goes free. But Roger Stone, at 75 years old, gets to be put into prison because he lied to Congress, and they say that he did it intentionally. It is fucking perverse. And again, the the Democrats are talking about how they might try to impeach Trump again over this. I don't look. There's people getting paid a lot more money than me to run the Democratic strategy right now. And these people seem to not understand a basic mentality of the United States, a basic understanding or intelligence of Americans. Like I, I've always said, one of the reasons I despise the Democratic Party so much is not only because of their terrible ideas that fail constantly and are provably wrong, because we look at just history and the way they played out with every welfare program, social security programs being bankrupt, education system being completely devoid of responsibility and having worse results than when it was simplified under states. All of these things off the table. What I really hate them for is that they think we're all so stupid. They believe that they are the way to go, that they're people that have the brightest ideas, right? They're the greatest minds in our country. And that the average American, the average, you know, you and me, well, maybe you. I'm I'm far smarter than I'm seeing almost all of you out there. Maybe I should join the Democratic Party. <laughs> no, I can't. But no, they they think that the average American is literally out there sitting on a tractor. I mean, fucking Bloomberg himself is on record. Another one I I forgot to mention, saying that, you know, it takes a lot more gray matter to work in technology than to to be a farmer. 
Of course, this is a man who's never farmed a day, never even picked up a hammer, never never gotten a splinter outside of maybe, you know, having his uh, his hired dominatrix shove a broom handle up his ass, because you know it's all the millionaires who are always hiring the dominatrices, and I'm sure Bloomberg is no different. God, the amount of money he must have spent on broom handles and dominatrices, guys. Fuck. I'd like to see those tax... That's why he won't release those tax returns. He could probably figure out a way to make that a tax write-off. But anyway, you see the derision they have for these fucking you know, middle Americans. They view them as stupid. They view them as underclass. They view them as like the, what are they, the Mogs or the uh, the Morlocks in the time traveler, the time machine where you go to the future and there's this wonderful society on the surface run by these beautiful, of course, they all look like uh, Nazi youth, but these beautiful blonde people running around and they're you know, happy and dancing and loving and the flowers and then you see that the Morlocks are underground, these chud people that are made to do all the dirty work. And what ends up happening? Well, the Morlocks rise up and slaughter the elites that are getting fat and lazy on the surface that thought that they could run the world, that thought that they had the domination of these people because they were so foolish and didn't know how to govern themselves. That is the Democratic Party in a nutshell. And that's why I cannot stand them. Ah, anyway, uh, I've talked too much about this. I've, I've been droning on. Let's talk about a couple other things, too, uh, before I jump into Michael Bolden. Uh, I want to talk about Elizabeth Warren's plan to help low-income. This is this really cracked me up. She has a plan to help low-income, diverse Asian-American communities. Now, how many people can that possibly impact? <laughs> And I don't mean, look, if you're, I don't mean to be racist in that I presume the best for Asian Americans in that I think your average Asian American is typically doing fairly well, you know, hardworking, very intelligent people, uh, and in a culture, most importantly, a culture that really emphasizes education, hard work, moving ahead. But it's just so funny. Her working agenda for Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders uh, which she called for a collection of data on ethnicities and would help reveal disparities within the racial group. I guess she's talking because you know, the, the people that are from the Philippines somehow maybe are worse off than people from Japan. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know, are Hawaiians worse off than people from Malaysia? I don't know. It certainly seems like something that shouldn't be made a priority in a very tight race and to a people that as an ethnic segment as a whole do very well. And I know there's a lot of jokes about Filipino nurses, but at least in LA, it is actually true. I know a lot of people that have Filipino nurses and I know a lot of people that are Filipino nurses. I was just a guy over who helped with my, uh, my house renovations. And it's like, Oh, my wife's uh, Filipino. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, Oh yeah, she's a nurse. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of a joke because it's true, but lovely people nonetheless. And as a whole, that group, that, that ethnic class tends to do far better. I mean, there's a reason that we have the stories that we have Asian Americans suing Harvard because they have been discriminated against them because they're just doing too damn well. So I don't know what the hell Elizabeth Warren's thinking as far as targeting the smallest minority. Maybe, maybe the trans population could be the smaller minority to target than a specific segment of a population that's doing vastly better than the average American and saying, I'm going to help you. So if we see her voting tally tick up 0.2 points in the next poll, we know where Elizabeth Warren got it from. So good job, Elizabeth Warren. No one's going PP in your coke, girl. 
Uh, next thing, Senate passes the Iran Wars Powers Resolution. This is pretty awesome. Uh, I liked that it did not go strictly along party lines as eight Republican senators did vote against Trump. But they passed the Iran War Powers Resolution, which is now, of course, going to go to, without a doubt, it's going to be getting vetoed. But for now, it's supporting the power of Congress to pass a resolution that's going to limit what Trump can do, uh, what he can do as far as deploying troops, and that he would have to have explicit authorization from Congress in order to enact any war with Iran. So that's fucking awesome. And the people that you'd imagine supported it, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Paulus, Susan Collins of Maine, Tong Young of Indiana, Jerry Moran of Kansas, not familiar with him, Lamar Alexander of Tennessee, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Of course, Trump did uh, not a big fan of that. He opposed the resolution, uh, obviously touting his assassination of Soleimani. And, you know, I... Those are things that just I, I, drives me insane about Donald Trump is he says he's against regime change. He says he wants to bring the troops home, and yet he's trying to get us into war with Iran. I'll leave it at that because I talked about this, I think, two shows ago at length, and I don't feel like doing it again. So go back and listen to my last couple shows. But in the meantime, we're going to see it's definitely going to get vetoed. We'll see what happens if uh, it gets overridden in the House. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see, man. It's exciting. Next thing I want to talk about, we often talk as libertarians about private companies having the authority to basically rule over their domain as they will. When we have the evolution of tech companies, as we do today, having so much power, this becomes a potential problem. Now, I've always taken the side of a private company, if it is truly private, does have that authority. If Facebook say, did not take any powers or privileges or monies from the government. If they, uh, if Twitter did the same, if Google was not involved in government matters and was not uh, working with the Chinese and American governments and every other government and censoring China at the meantime and supposedly not censoring here at home, but who the fuck knows? If those things were existing, they did not have government ties to them, I would support their right to limit whatever speech they want. To have their rules, if you sign that user agreement, you bid in or you uh, you buy into that concept and that platform, so be it. That is your choice. And I also think that data privacy, and then it's all these bills that like California has a stupid bill that they push through to, to protect your data. Look, man, these companies make money off data. Why do you think it's free? Why do you think your Gmail is free? Why do you think your Google search is free? Why do you think your Facebook's free? Why do you think anything that is fucking free comes at a cost? And that cost is your data. And you authorize them to take that data. That's the trade-off, assholes. And I'd prefer to have an array of free services that make my life infinitely better, like Google Maps in my car, to tell me where to go. And if they want to take the data, great. That's a trade-off that helps all of humanity. Not only that, but having data that's available to the fingertips of people, not only for marketing purposes, but just for general research and planning purposes, vastly helps society fucking move forward, period. Okay, getting back to main thought. I'm all for companies running themselves as private entities and having their own rules. However, as we've seen, Facebook does work with the FBI. They work with the Southern Poverty Law Center. They work with uh, government organizations as far as trying to track down hate speech, trying to track down extremist organizations. Not only that, but now uh, Zuckerberg has just asked governments for instructions on what discourse should be allowed. 
And this is from uh, Jonathan Turley wrote an article and he is saying that government seems to be giving Mark Zuckerberg his marching orders when it comes to what Facebook should and shouldn't do in regards to free speech. So Zuckerberg told an assembly of Western leaders in uh, Munich, pardon me, that the Munich Security Conference that, quote, there should be more guidance and regulation from the states on basically, dash, take political advertising as an example, dash, what discourse should be allowed. Kind of an awkward sentence to, to quote. I'll try to read it more naturally. There should be more guidance and regulation from the states on basically, take political advertising as an example. What discourse should be allowed? There you go. It's by Pest Zuckerberg. Uh, also, this edition. Or on the balance of free expression and some things that people call harmful expression, where do you draw the line? So this is not him protecting uh, freedom of speech, right? This is they Don't get this wrong. He's literally saying there needs to be more guidance and regulation from the states. He's asking for more regulation and more guidance from the fucking government. Is there a worse entity to, to ask anybody for guidance or an interpretation on what free speech should or shouldn't be than a government? I mean, God damn it. We've already got hate speech indoctrinated into the minds of the populace by government intervention. People are already going to prison for twice as long because they dared to utter something to a person of color. Whereas you know, calling somebody a dick, calling somebody a dick, punching someone in the face is punching someone in the face. The government mandating that this speech is somehow worse than any other speech is absurd on every level. And now we've got Zuckerberg getting in bed with governments the world over to ask how he can quell free speech and work with them. Because, you know, it's not just quelling. It's not just uh, kicking people off the platform. It's not just muting people's voices. These things always go hand in hand especially in places like the UK and Germany and France, where they literally, and Sweden for that matter, where they literally will come at you and knock on your door and put you on a sensor or, or fine you or put you in jail or, or even, I mean, look at the goddamn comic in Scotland who taught his dog how to do a zig hail. The fucking guy went to prison. And this is the insanity that happens when social media companies get in bed with governments. So in this respect, Facebook is no longer a private company. Facebook is a government entity, which is why when you hear anybody talk about Google or Facebook or any of these companies, ask them how much data they're sharing with the government. Ask them how much money they're getting from the government. Because if they're taking that money, if they're working like this hand in hand with the government, then these need to be fought tooth and nail and freedom of expression and First Amendment rights have to be protected on them. Because otherwise, they are simply tools of the government that are working to oppress free speech and working to subvert the will and the uh, the basic ability of the populace to converse with each other. So fuck them. Uh, by the way, those of you who are new to the show may note that I, uh, I curse a lot. <laughs> so welcome. <laughs> welcome to all you Reason listeners and all the people that have uh, found us through the convention and from the kind words of our friends. Um, last thing. Yeah, is this the last thing? Yes. Last thing I want to talk about Real quick, and I know I was talking about the LP and how you guys should join the LP so you could have a voice. And here's a good reason why. Because a gal, which did it, she's called the Gun Girl. What's her name? Caitlin Bennett, right? The Gun Girl, Caitlin Bennett. She went to Kent State. Uh, I'm sorry, no, Ohio University, not Kent State. She went to Ohio University with Joel Patrick, some other guy. I guess he was a, a Twitter phenom. And was met by a... I don't know. It looks like about a hundred or 200 students of various races all collected to 
essentially tell her to fuck off. And not only that, but to throw liquids at her, throw bottles at her. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was assault, but certainly a pretty underhanded welcome and definitely one that could have caused physical damage. Not only that, but also could have caused property damage. So apparently this was something where she just showed up to campus, which you should be able to do. Uh, so it wasn't a scheduled event. So there wasn't like protection in place to stop it. But the student reaction was one that was, in my opinion, uh, above and beyond uh, reproach, obviously mob mentality. Now she took to Twitter and said that they were terrorists yeah, maybe a little bit of a hyperbole, but if you're welcomed at a college campus by people screaming at you, uh, yelling all sorts of heinous things at you, throwing bottles and throwing liquids, which may be anything, you know, error of acid attack, urine being thrown at people, vomit being thrown at people. Hey, in L.A., people throw buckets of uh, feces on you. If, uh, you know, if you happen to be sitting in traffic because L.A. loves their homeless so much. So she calls somebody terrorists or called these people terrorists. And of course, left Twitter got up in an uproar saying, you can't call them terrorists. They're expressing their first right, First Amendment rights. Now, of course, what they're doing is the heckler's veto. And I guess she's showing up somewhere unannounced. They can tell her to get out of there. Fine. As long as it's not physically intimidating her, which they definitely were doing, by the way. But as long as it's not physical intimidation, fine. You, She's not uh, formally speaking. You, are, you have the same right to the space as she does. But... If you're throwing shit, if you're yelling at her, if you're, if you're physically intimidating her, her calling you terrorist because she was terrorized on your campus seems to be in the realm of fairness to me. Left Twitter got in an uproar and not only left Twitter, but the Libertarian Party. And the Libertarian Party tweeted out, Miss Bennett, you have a right to your opinion and a right to voice it, period. These college students do as well, period. Calling them terrorists because they utilize their right to assembly and speech is both dishonest and shameful. This is after she shared a video showing these things happening. Guys, the, I swear to God, this is where, you know, it's interesting to me during the chair debate, a discussion on messaging was brought up. It wasn't gone into though, which frustrated me to no end. They did not talk about what the different chair candidates would do as far as messaging for the party. Cause I think that's a big problem right now. And I have, I voiced my concerns in the past with Nick Sawark trying to embrace leftists and embrace left-leaning uh, people on the spectrum. I do not think that is a successful strategy and shit like this drives me fucking mad because at the, at, at worst, the libertarian party should say nothing. Just let it go. But there's no way the Libertarian Party should be attacking somebody that's on the conservative side of the spectrum for tweeting a video, which honestly looks pretty fucking scary when you're surrounded in your car by people throwing shit at you, yelling at you, and trying to intimidate you, and to defend them and say that that's okay and that you were wrong for calling them terrorists and that you are being dishonest and disrespectful. What's dishonest and disrespectful is that take on this issue in which we're trying to allow for a conversation between people. We're trying to facilitate uh, free speech as it should exist, which is open conversations and dialogues without this horrible politicization and violence, which has come from the current state of affairs. Seeing that kind of tweet, seeing them take that side absolutely disgusts me. So again, that's one of the reasons that I joined. Uh, I was not a member up until this past year. I felt the need to get involved. So if you want to come join me, uh, and frankly, I uh, support the Mises Caucus. If you would like to join myself, Dave Smith, uh, Mance Raider, Jason Stapleton, 
Tom Woods, Mark Claire, John Odermatt, and a wide array of other people in making a change and deciding that this is not how we want the party positioned, you can join at lp.org forward slash Lions of Liberty. Okay, everybody. I think that's going to do it for me in this news bit, but you lucky dogs get a super long episode today. Uh, one thing I want to remind you of before I leave you and uh, transfer over to our interview with Michael Bolden and us just uh, shooting the shit at the convention where we are interrupted by Starchild, well-known activist, came in uh, and talked for us a little bit. I do want to tell you to visit NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Uh, people give me guff because I said North Spokane, but frankly, I think it helps to say Spokane because people will spell it right when they're putting in a web address, right? Anyway, North Spokane Hemp Company is a sponsor of ours, and you only have a couple more weeks to take advantage of 25% off by using the promo code LIONS at checkout. So go to www.NorthSpokaneCBD.com for all your CBD, get your tinctures, get your flour, get your uh, your pet meds there, get meds for you to help with your ailments, your ouchies, your stress, your anxiety, your sleep deprivation. I need to get some for my sleep deprivation. <laughs> Anyway, check it out, NorthSpokaneCBD.com. And don't forget Lions at the checkout to get that 25% off. Go now before the end of February. Otherwise, it will be too late. Okay, without further ado, guys, here is my interview with, uh, well, not my interview, me, Mark, and Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center, a, a good buddy of ours, chatting it up at the convention. I'm just going to fade out after the interview has ended. So for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty. Are you going to bring us in anyway, introduction this thing? No, of course not. No. Right. No. Uh, yeah, we're just here hanging out at the California State Libertarian Convention with my uh, Friend and colleague Brian McWilliams. Yeah, baby. And Michael Bolden of the 10th Amendment Center, who's, who's currently, currently peeling an orange. Yep. It's a sumo. Uh, it's a seasonal. I don't think they're called sumo. That sounds they made are. up, sir. No, they're not. Are you sure it's not the company real. that produces them? Sumo citrus. That might be the company. I, they're, they're called like uh, Sumatras or something. Or, uh, oh, this so is terrible. The Soho Forum. Let's, is let's the move beyond the name of the oranges? Do they have oranges at the Soho Forum? You've been there. I've never been. By the way, are you going to be on the Contra Cruise this year? I am not. I am not either. I, I refuse I want, like, to go to the Soho to Forum up. until I'm one of the debaters. I agree. Or host. Me too. Although I do want to go to get a free drink from Gene Epstein if I say Tom Wilson. Sumo to Citrus is also called a Decopon. Okay. It's a seedless and sweet variety of mandarin orange. Oh, for lazy people that can't stand It's a hybrid between Kiyomi and Ponkan. It's only available seasonally, so whenever I see these. And they only have them in Japan, I'm sure. (laughs) And that was the Lions of Liberty Random Fact of the Week, sponsored by the 10th Amendment Center. Thank you. We'll be having these every week. You know that. Do you want to record a one-minute segment with us every week where you just get the react that has nothing to do with anything else, and I just insert it, and they sponsor it by the 10th Amendment Center. Bird Care with Bolden. And Tom Woods can pay for it with discount code Woods, which makes it free. I actually would love a bold ca- a bird care with Bolden segment. I'm in. It bird would be hilarious. You just be call a bonus in. show. So you just call it in once a week. Subscribe to us on Patreon to learn more about how to care for your birds. <laughs> Here's a tip: you use discount large, code Woods at checkout. You have the largest lean into the mic in the world. Lean into the mic. Oh, Brian gets very upset. <laughs> well, no one's gonna be able to hear you. We're That's outside. That's the we're, point, Brian. We're, That's we're, why we weren't gonna tell him about that. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just noticed you have a giant hair braid of things, <laughs> colored things. Sorry, this is not anybody on the podcast. This, this is, is our photographer. This is our photographer. It looks like her hair uh, fell into, yes, colored strings galore. Is it a weapon? I think it could be used as a weapon. Right. Hair, braids, hair braid segments, bird care segments, and fruit. This is what we're, these are the topics we're talking about. Trans- you know, J- Stapleton transferred his podcast to Wealth and Power. We're transferring to bird tips, orange, uh, it's all about- what the seasonal oranges are, and what you can do with your it's hair. It's all to make about it the search weapon. terms. It turns out bird care is a highly searched term. So Lions gonna- of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Lions of things. Stuffs of liberty. <laughs> Every week we talk about some stuff. And some liberty. It might be better. I don't know. And some lines. Sometimes I get bored with all this liberty stuff. Don't you guys? Oh, wait, why are we doing this now rather than having lunch? That's a great question. Brian, do you want to have lunch first? Should we stop this no, now and have lunch? we're not going to have lunch first. Oh, okay. I'm, I've got <laughs> this a, been a contentious I've issue I've got to drink this beer uh, on an empty stomach and then drive home to my baby. To your baby? Oh, okay. <laughs> Should we repeat the joke about how... Uh, <laughs> we did it before the, we were recording. <laughs> the joke about, oh, you have a baby? We it haven't heard annoying. about Look, it. I call people out for the same shit. Uh, especially if it's over email. At least this is in person. But you know, why people, does it make it better in person? It's it, way more annoying. It doesn't. It, it's very annoying. <laughs> I like have ignore. this baby, and unfortunately, everything I want to do, I can't do because of the baby. Well, you're here or drinking and talking about liberty. Sounds like things yes, are working out it, fine. And I can do this if I. We could not eat lunch first because then my wife would go insane. She snapped the baby over her over her knee like a professional wrestler. Wow, that's actually, she just texted me a half hour ago and said, "Could you keep him there another three hours?" Are you the real father? Because <laughs> if so. I'm, I'm I actually can stay not all day. You've got to go home to my your baby. I'm actually not capable of that. <laughs> like not capable. Do you is have one of those true? smooth genitals? So, should you be admitting it on this podcast? Do you have a Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> right, but, is, do you have a Harvey Weinstein <laughs> wait, vagina penis? Wait a second. Sumo oranges. <laughs> all right. So what brings you guys to the California you, State Libertarian Michael Party? Michael lost his penis no, after fucking to move too on, many citrus fruits. Citrus acid burned his dick to the nub. I tried to hard pivot right fact. out of that. Another fun fact. He just barreled right through. He doesn't even hear you. Oh, that's the problem. Oh, because I have these headphones, so I can hear everyone crisply, clearly. <laughs> All right, what are we here talking about? Whatever we want. Whatever we want. What brings you guys here? What brings us here? This is an actual show for the Lions of Liberty. <laughs> actual is a very relative yeah. term. Listen, subscribe, pull your phone out. I want to see you do it. <laughs> yeah, we need to witness this. Uh, I was getting over really happy to pull your phone out. It's us. It's me. We are the Lions uh, of Liberty. I'm Mark. Mark Claire. Nice to meet you. Okay. I saw your name somewhere. Yeah. Star Child. Yeah, Star Child oh, is here. Oh, San Francisco. We've got Star Child here. Nice. Really, the reason we're doing the podcast you outside know, is so we get random, random. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I'm used to like uh, something on the top, maybe. And like, maybe yeah, a dr- know, we're seeing Star Child before. You're saving your best for yeah. Sunday night. Amen. Did you work on the San Francisco facial recognition ban? Oakland Privacy did a lot of great work on yeah, there's that. A group, uh, sort of part of Tracy Oakland Rosenberg. Yes, yeah. Privacy working group. I love them. I can't, I can't claim any direct uh, credit there. That's yeah, okay. I'm certainly, yeah. you know, I was very happy to yeah. see that. Domino and, uh, effect happening a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. It, it is such an important issue, too. Of course. Freedom to wear masks. Can you tell us a well, bit more a about that? Of, like, hold on. Let me give him a mic if you're going to talk to him. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. just Let's one way talking. Let's do it. Well, now so San Francisco is the first locality in the country to have instituted a complete ban on government use of facial recognition. It's impossible to use facial recognition as a surveillance tool uh, 
under a, a basically a system where it's a warrant based on probable cause. It is mass ubiquitous surveillance. It puts people in what Georgetown Privacy would call a perpetual lineup. And it can be used for all kinds of nasty stuff. So there was a lot of work uh, primarily from Oakland Privacy, which is an excellent local group on surveillance issues up in the Bay Area that pushed to get this passed. And then they followed up in both Berkeley and Oakland with similar bans. Santa Cruz, I think, Santa is Cruz? talking about it. Yeah. Well, and Alameda had their initial vote on it as well. So there's like three or four localities in Northern California, and this is already spread to uh, Massachusetts, where Northampton and a couple of... Uh, of well, localities it's, and in, it's pertinent too because I, I think it was just in the UK that they've approved the use of AI and that sort of uh, facial recognition technology yes. to find potential suspects or look for people that match the the uh, you know descriptions of suspects. So it's like again to remind people, the UK, to the born supremacy, they've been it doing is that terrifying how much the UK, like their surveillance state, the Big Brother Society is out of control. Although San Here Diego is actually add, one, add your comments if you like. San Diego is one of the worst in the world, and they actually shut down. It's the worst in the U.S. or it has been their facial recognition system, and they use these with little mobile devices. They can scan someone, and it goes into the the. Um, what is it called? The FBI's next and it generation. Says late on taxes. Like, yeah, probably. Uh, everything you're doing wrong. You know, that was which, literally uh, just. That was just agency sh- in San Diego. Is, no, is it well, the whole government or is it some specific entire, uh, agency the, that's doing it, like the police or the? No, uh, everywhere. If they, you know, the the police. It's the entire government entity. Mm. But it was the largest one, and it was just shut down on January first. Because here in California, they passed a bill to at least temporarily, th- for three years, ban the use of facial recognition in police body cams or any other police mobile devices. So San Diego stopped that. But I don't know how we got talking about because Star Child. And I just assume <laughs> that Star Child worked on the Northern California or Bay Area efforts to ban yeah. surveillance. Well, I did uh, work heavily on the campaign of Chase Bodine, who's the very progressive district attorney that just got elected in San Francisco. Okay, cool. So that was uh, kind of a related thing because a lot of it comes down to like, well, how are the police and, uh, you know, DAs actually going to implement this yeah. stuff? You know, are, are the DAs going to charge people that the police arrest based on, you know, facial recognition evidence or this kind of thing? Um, to me, it's but, a great example of how when you're like consistent in your libertarian ideals, you will always find people to build coalitions with. So I don't know where you are on the right yeah. to keep and bear arms, but I'm assuming a lot of those coalition members yeah. are horrible on the right to keep right. and bear arms. But you can set that aside and be like, well, let's get some shit accomplished on facial recognition or asset forfeiture sure. or something like that. So when you're when you're consistent as a libertarian, you can build coalitions with anybody on any issue all the time, and you're going to be the best in that group on it. All that the is time an excellent too. point. And one of the things uh, I was on the platform committee this year, and and we <laughs> it's kind of a clusterfuck. We don't. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Podcast show. Or not. My first like ten Is episodes six years ago, now? I tried to keep it clean, and then I just gave up. Uh, Once I had Brian on, I had to give up. So. But, you know, I think it's very important for the reasons you mentioned, in part, to have a platform that is very detailed, mentions as many different Mm. issues as possible, because people will come to... For one issue. Yes, the issue that they care about, they'll want to see, okay, I'm really interested in the facial recognition issue. What does the party say about that particular issue? You know, just one, like most people are actually one issue voters when it comes down to making a decision. You know, it's like a lot of people will be, it's like, you know, abortion, women's rights, uh, you know, the drug war. A lot of that thing does come down to one issue, especially because the parties, the two major parties are so similar in practice to each other. So, yeah, I agree with you completely. Like list everything that we stand for, make it very clear, very understandable and build those coalitions. 
So I hope you all are delegates because we will be uh, talking about this later. There's people that want to water down the platform, make it much shorter, you know, so we don't have that opportunity to express solidarity with all these different people. If people, even the people who aren't one issue voters, they may be sort of one issue at a time that they're concerned about. You're speaking of the on. California State Party platform because yes. I, isn't there? A, there's a whole. You could probably sum it up better than me, but there's some people that just want to use the national platform as the platform and right. essentially have no unique platform, whereas others would want a unique California State Party platform. Yes. So what would be? The, I assume you're on the unique State Party platform yes, side. Very much so, and and I. Each state is different, tried right? Try to get the national platform just recognized as yes, this is our platform at the national level, but we also want a platform at the state level that talks about unique state issues. I like that. I'm, I'm all for, and, and it's funny. I'm, I'm anti watering down a platform specifically, but I at the same time, so I do like public relations marketing for a living. So I will tell you though, if your something's way too long, it will not be read at all, and people will just check out. So it's something where making it shorter, making it. Uh, a little bit more to the point does help. And I think that, you know, it's like one of those things where if you have a party platform that's overly wordy, overly self-exuberant, uh, then it can actually turn people off rather than having something that's more pointed as far as here's the things we need to focus on. And you could have something too where it's like from a platform where you go, we need, here's the things we want to do first, well, you know, and I, then expand after that. Can I kind of throw another thought on that? Because I was going to suggest, the, again, the longer the better, because yes. no one's going to read any of these things ever anyways. Most people are not going to read it cover to cover. Right? Compared to Wiki, no. Wikipedia, so, is Wikipedia so too my long? Thought is, and my <laughs> thought is, because so much of what I do is well, no, based... No, nobody reads it cover to cover. Most everything that I do is based on issue-by-issue issue coalition building, like we talked about in that last episode when I was on with you and Joshua. Which and reminds me, you've been on the show way too much. Lately. I have We're going to really I, scale gonna the, have to scale the Bolden back. So, that's why I have the anti-Michael Bolden coalition. We're, we're running uh, for the uh, California... So oh, the ABD, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> my thought is, when you're communicating with people, at least what I learned from the old school Harry Brown days, is you find something that resonates with that person. And whatever's important to them, you can just be like, well, yes. Borders is in the state platform. Facial recognition is in the state platform. You, we're exactly. totally with you on asset forfeiture or whatever it may be. And if you can point to that, that's all they care about. And then you can maybe bring them in. And once you bring them in to the fold a little bit, maybe they'll start listening to you on other things yes. once in a while, too. Once in a while. And that Please would be a Please come win. say this later during debate. Oh. I, this is the kind of state you're preaching to, you know, warming my heart here. Well, I'm a big fan oh. of your work uh, from... Uh, for a long time, actually. So I knew your name already. Um, uh, I run an organization called the Tenth Amendment Center. Who? We get. We. Get, uh, we uh, <laughs> I, I'm just excited. I'm I've been like, following so you for years. I have been. I have been. So, so I'm a big fan of what's in your trash. <laughs> Is that a game show? <laughs> What's in your trash? I see you as, from the outside, Starchild. I see you embodying that type of approach that resonates a lot with me. So that's anyways. well. This is, we can we can continue the. Uh, Oh yeah, we'll get you kind of, yeah, yeah, we and that's this is an interesting thing we can continue you can to talk all about. Other, I'll, I'll let, everybody's just right there. Yeah, I'll I'll let you go, but I did want to ask you one more question because we're at the uh, the LA or with the California convention and one of the things we're going to do is a little video vignette. I have to know what do you think is under Vermin Supreme's boot? <laughs> Brains. All right, he says brains. I don't know. I was hoping for that something could more be a exotic or a zombie thing. That's I don't true. Know it could be one of the other. You lift up the boot, and there's just a, there's just three brains stacked under there. It has, but one of my poetry teachers one's called fruitful ambiguity. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I actually think it's that's my Tinder profile name, by the way. I think it's <laughs> one slightly smaller version of the exact same boot. Oh, Whoa. it's like a Russian doll. And a tiny vermin supreme. It's a Russian doll. <laughs> 
Or if you read iPony Blueprint for New America, it might be the Internet Meme Council that's under there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, Sarchal, thank you, man. Good thank you on the show. Yeah, we'll, we will stay in touch. Um, but I think that's I mean, more rotating guests. That's more fun. rotating yeah, guests. That's, that's, that's a good. It's good to keep do sending them down the line. It's good to do out here. But I mean, it is kind of interesting though. The more versus. The less versus more or less I, is more. I get where you're coming from. If someone's reading the whole thing and it's got a zillion things well, in it, then they're going to be like, Ugh. But even not even getting to that point, though. But I think it's something where, look, you can point to somebody and go, look, we're for, you know, we're anti-civil asset forfeiture. We're yeah. anti this, that. But if they go and look into it, if they see it's one of seven million things, oh, I think it cheapens okay. it. Well, can't you bit. have a basic platform that says these are the basics of what we believe? Right. And then to learn more about these issues, click here and here. Well, and it's kind of like want to, we're then talking then about you know, the Tenth Amendment, man. Uh, it's kind of like our platform could embrace that philosophy of, look, we embrace these specific principles. And this is how it applies. And, these, on and, and it, oh, it applies to all of them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? And that way it's a little bit easier to comprehend huh. than going through and being like, Jesus Christ, these people have a... It's like, you should be I got a lot of problems with you people later. and you're going to hear about it as a platform. Right. It might be easy to digest that way. Maybe, yeah. I just like the whole coalition thing. So however yeah. you get there, I think, is yeah, the winner. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because, like, in your speech, you were talking about bringing people in. You In your speech, you're talking about... Both of you guys were talking about... Oh, yeah, we gave speeches bring, earlier. You might have heard them if I published hey, them. Right. speeches here. So, Mark, your speech talking about how people came from different ends of the political spectrum, mm -hmm. I think they came in from basically this type of thing. You're yeah. talking about right, the right. similar type they of thing. They agree with someone culture. on the one issue, and that, yes. let them, that yes. allowed them to listen to them on the other things. Yep. Because right. they yeah. say, well, if I trust you on this, then maybe you're right about a few Maybe. other things. Maybe I'll just listen. At least listen, you're not insane. I'm not right. going to oppose you yeah. on the Federal Reserve because you're so good on the drug And then they'll leave you alone on issues they don't know about, at least. Maybe. It's like, well, okay, I don't know about that stuff, so maybe he's I right. got that a lot in the transition from... Uh, like Bush to Obama, Obama to Trump. Like obviously living here in LA, we all know that most of the friends that we make locally are all leftists. I came from that end of the spectrum, uh, self-avowed socialist at some point, Marxist. But like as soon as Trump came in, also I'm getting phone calls from people who would just be like ignore me on everything, saying like, "Hey, Bolden, so." Uh, what was that whole Tenth Amendment thing all about? <laughs> yeah, there's, we don't like this now. guy now, so now this sounds <laughs> yeah, exactly. like actually a good thing. Exactly. So, yeah, under Obama, they're like, no, oh, no, Obama knows our rights. He won't. He would never yeah. abuse them. Yeah. So I mean, I think a lot of people like will look into things on fleeting political motivations, but I think there's something to build on where you do gain momentum over time. Well, there's almost something to be said for like having a simpler platform statement, but then have a page on the on the uh, Libertarian Party website. That list. Here you go. Yeah. Here's a list of things we oppose. Don't make it part of the platform officially. You know, I get broad strokes, so it's understandable. But then have a list like this is what we oppose. Brrr, list them. So that way, not only it helps with your Google searching, but people can go and literally look. Okay, what do I? Okay, I hate this thing. Yeah, good. The libertarians do too. Make it a little bit easier. Again, accessibility, and that's like you know my talk was on comedy, taking comedy back. But at the core of it, it's making liberty more accessible mm. through comedy. Uh, you know, like you're saying, coalition building, getting that, getting them in, introducing them to the one concept, and then broadening. Be like, look, you think that's fucked up? All this other yeah, shit's fucked up too, man. You up. just don't realize it because <laughs> you think the, that's you, bad. You have a team mentality about right. it, or you don't know that the policies are having the opposite effect. Yeah. But you know, once you get in there, once you can have people not reject you as a lunatic, well, you can get a lot done. Yeah. Well, well, well. You guys are looking at me like I have to comment on what you're saying. No, no, you're leading. We're waiting. We're both like. Oh, is this what hosting is? Next? <laughs> yeah. Ding well, next. Well, why don't we talk about the presidential candidates? 
for uh, Libertarian? Yeah, why not? I, dude, I'm still trying to figure it out. Why because I don't we vote. just met a guy. Uh, Bolden doesn't vote, which makes you even better to comment about it. Well, you can't. Well, you're you know, not delegating, right? Matter. So you're not voting. No. So but Mark and I are both able to vote for people getting in the debate and then in the convention. It's a tough choice because I, I kind of want everyone in the debate, but you Me only too. get to choose well, five. Dude, uh, and only six make it. Who are you Georgia. two in there? Georgia. Dude, John what Mons. I liked about him. This guy seems like a cool the, guy. The, the you guy, know what I liked about him? The first Mons. thing on his flyer says. I like his bow tie. That's says, well, that's cool. He says, bring the troops and drones home. Because yes. if you bring yeah, the troops home, the drones are operating from the robots Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Like he's still standing in there? Oh, get, him him over. get him in. Yeah, I, I never heard of Mons before. May I? Uh, yeah. I think the craziest thing about trying to navigate all of this stuff is how many people run for president in the Libertarian Party. There? In every party. I have no idea because every day I found about six. Like, Who are three the leaders? More. I found out about two Hornberger. more today. I like that he's got a committee to elect them. Uh, well, so that's good. It depends on what you mean by leaders. Well, look, but I, there's, the no, there's no official polling. Hold on. Is it just me or is there is get the federal government out of education slightly bolded on his on this postcard. Is it, it an is, accident? It is. It is. A, um, He's really serious about I that I do one. love that because so, they should be gotten out of Regular education. font, semi-bold. Yeah, right? It's a little semi-bold about yeah, getting the government out of education. And, I would but, have to think the leading candidates are, would be right now. Yeah. Hornberger... I'm going to say Chafee just because he has a lot oh, yeah, of... Yeah. He's, he's I just, saw him in the lobby, He's the type the of way. candidate that does excel in, in the LP and probably, I don't know, after that, I don't know. If I'm going to be serious really? about who, I, yeah, I think I don't know who's really leading after that. If um, I was going to be, maybe I'd, and I think I, I, I think like Mark, Mark I think Mark Whitney's going to rise quickly. I did like he, Mark he Whitney tell. on no, talking to him for two minutes today. Fire. You can tell that this guy's got charisma. He's got communication ability. I mean, and for he, sure, he's well, clearly building coalitions with the right people. Well, I've hey. talked to three people today that I know are major players and major movers in the Libertarian Party that are all on his team. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not messing around. So. Well, dude, I'll tell you what, man, it's it's like I was talking about Whitney. He's a funny guy. I've He's likable. I, I I hadn't either really until well, I, I did John's interview with him on Felony Friday last oh, week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he just said, but he seems really interesting. He's got a, a good personality. Where's he he was in a, he was in radio, so he has a good entertainment background. Huh? He can talk, no problem. And he knows he Shadow Stevens personally, which impressed me. Shadow Stevens, Shadow Stevens. We should hire Shadow Stevens through him to voice over our show. I like it. Is Shadow <laughs> I'm uh, actually a racist nickname too. now though. Yeah, like oh, you're white, you can't use the nickname Shadow, you fucking bigot. I didn't think about that. Uh, but no, I, Whitney. Again, it's like I also he's he's funny, he's like was personable, and that's libertarians. That is a big problem for the platform is being likable and being approachable. You know, it's like you can be as right and as being rain, successful. But if people hate you. Libertarians are broke, way too broke. A lot. And he's are, a successful entrepreneur, broke. so that helps. Yeah, that that helps too. He doesn't have Trump money, but he has Whitney money. Yeah. But I would say, I mean, Trump I think, doesn't even have Trump money. I still think right? Vermin Supreme will get a decent amount of votes. I think he will. Are we talking about at the end of the day or about this debate? I think he'll it, make. Oh, I don't know if he'll make. I don't know who'll make this debate. This is I actually going to be interesting to, nice to find debate. out. Well, it's kind of interesting. That it's not just like a top five cutoff. It's done by percentage of the vote. So there could be ten people in there. No, no, it's top. Si it's six. No, no, no. I just talked to people that said specifically they they made sure it's not a cutoff. Doesn't the paper say six? I don't know. The guys who I, I just. As you can tell, we're experts it. on how this all yeah, works. This is our first time. But no, they said it's a percentage base. So it could be, you know, eight people at a 15%. Not a, I'm not sure my math adds up there. I'll tell you, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not math man, after all. The weirdest part about being at official Libertarian Party conventions, I felt the same way at the LNC, is that everyone wants your vote. And it suddenly it becomes about getting your vote in many ways. Hmm. I mean, I, I love networking and talking to people, but it always just... A little bit feels a little bit weird when people ask for. Questions. I don't like Isn't networking, so I made the meet give me yeah, a blowjob. It it's, po it's politics. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm not I'm angry about it, but it just it's, a, it's, it's new creepy. to me as someone who never got into political yeah. conventions in that way. It's always like, oh, by the way, you're like talking to someone, and then you realize they're like, hey, if I can get, you're like, oh wait, 
So wait, I what? thought you, you just talking? wanted to I hang out. I thought you just thought I was cool. Yeah, and then you're like, wait a minute. You just, because I have this delegate badge on. I just want to hang out, man. Usually I think it's because they want to be on the podcast. Which I don't even get that. Well, we're in the middle of a podcast here. Come on. Well, we have special guests rotating. How's it going? How's everyone doing? Going. <laughs> we're, right. we're huge we celebrities, we so a lot of people. You know. Wait, so we didn't even get an introduction to this person. Is I just yelled out to go away. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't want me around. I get it. No, I'm Casey. Casey Bryan, man. Casey, nice to meet you, man. I'm Mark. Mark. Michael Bolden. Is he running Michael? for president? I'm Casey. Nice one. Is that the Mises Caucus? No. Oh, okay, nice. Oh, the Mises Caucus guy. Awesome. Sure. Yeah, it's fine. That's I, I. We don't want to throw our support specifically behind anybody, but for the most but, part, pretty much. All bees <laughs> Wink, wink. So, are you guys both Hornberger people then? Yeah. Horny for we Hornberger. We're discussing the presidential candidates and who's most likely to yet? succeed. Horny for Hornberger. Horny for Is that a real thing? Uh, we well, just write it on people. Just write on people's cars in Sharpie. What's 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 the internal debate on some of the from some of the border restrictionists on Hornberger's aggressive open borders <laughs> policy? I don't know actual that many abort at people that are actually yeah, for. I think the, even the biggest battle is just like no borders or borders where they're really, really open. Yeah, I, I don't see yeah. people in the, in the LP that are really close. They're really for border controls compared to what we have now. Or as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm seeing, I, I think the debate is really about like what we can't. Oh, this is awkward now because nobody can hear what you're saying. Hold on, if you're going to talk, well, get a question we have to answer on the podcast. Matt, introduce yourself. Longtime Lions Liberty fan, uh, and me. My name is Matthew Butts. Um, so I think the debate is more around what does open borders mean? Um, mm -hmm. Because uh, when you say that, it's almost like you're saying you want to abolish private property, and that's definitely not it. Right, right, right. Now, it's uh, it, the borders are private property. Are they? Well, a lot of it's on private property. Okay. Because yeah. they've actually like had to do eminent domain on a lot of property to create pools, the wall. resources together like a commune, and and you know they built they pave their own roads and and um, they ex, you know they have uh, the right to exclude or to uh, include. Yeah, it's, I mean it's and they don't I have think, the right to stop someone from flying over them to get to some other right. Well, I think it's. Yeah, but on well, hold on, on hold government on, hold on. managed property, that obviously is different in the in the status quo, and I, at least from what I've seen as an outsider, is that Hornberger takes a position. I love Jacob's positions on so many things. I, he takes a position that is potentially radically different, and maybe something that would have been seen by some people as kind of like, a, oh, that's a that's a line in the sand. But he's still getting enthusiastic support, so I found that really. I you just mean about that, his open borders position? Yeah. You think it would cause him trouble in the LP or no? In maybe some of the Mises caucus. Yeah, or like some of the more right leaning people. Yeah, yeah, but they're still giving him support, so maybe it's not as important to the people as has been kind of portrayed. Because I would think that at least other people in LP kind of portray Mises caucus as being closed borders. And I think it's more of that. I think it's more of a. Perception it's a portrayal. Of portrayal. Okay. Okay. Because from what I see, when I mean I'm in their Facebook group, and yeah, I yeah. see an internal debate, and I never really see that. I see them talking about how other people are saying that, and then saying, "Well, no uh, one even thinks okay. that." Okay. And then it's, the debate is more like Matt saying, "What does defining open borders? What does that mean? Does that mean the state should open the borders? Does that mean we should respect private property?" And that's more the debate about what it really means. But really, it's the the range is probably more from like complete no borders to like Ellis Island style immigration, where anybody can come in. They just have to you know stop and say, "I'm here." 
basically. I think that's, okay. the, that's the closest border, closed border restriction I've heard in that, those kind of circles. Okay. No, that's Which is like really the Larry Sharp position. That's, that's kind of like the... Is Ellis Island style? That's yeah. A, that's as far as anybody in the Mises Caucus goes is like the Ellis Island style. Like it's still open borders in comparison. It's still open borders in comparison. Um, it's still you don't need a, pa- a visa ahead of time. It's still yeah, you don't like, need a passport make, ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like make sure it's way more radical than we have now. Kind of disease that's going to wipe out the population or something like that. Something, that's true. It's an interesting time to talk about that aspect of borders. With we got the coronavirus right now, people are freaking out about. I still think it's a bunch of bullshit. But uh, not to say people haven't died. But again, elderly people. Uh, I you're at, okay, Matt says he was at LAX. Man, no, when I first you moved can't to get LA. a mask right now, by the way. Libertarians, it, the, the party should buy a factory, make masks, because we could fund the fund the party for the next four years based on selling those masks to China. I guarantee it. Rico, who's on the podcast. Put his face on the mask. Why not? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, Rico's, <laughs> Rico's <awesome>. face. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> no, but literally, his, gr- his uh, girlfriend is from China, and they're so desperate for the masks that she's like he's trying to find mass to buy up and send back to China because they can sell them at a profit. This is a Should we start that line? Yeah. Liberty. If we can find someone to do it, twenty percent off. Hard to make coupon code. It's just lions. a little paper and some string, right? Should we, just set, this should we just start folding I... <laughs> paper into a, a shape of a mask and send it over with some rubber bands? Maybe. Well, like you put it. We, how about this? We'll send it. It's a do-it-yourself kit, and we just send like a piece of cotton and two rubber bands, and we're like some assembly required. And no guarantees <laughs> of any, any sanitary anything. Yeah, yeah and uh, we don't... Just these asterisks. These, may be, used, every these <laughs> may be used pads. <laughs> and several of, new ones. Why don't we just send over tampons with wings and be like, just tape it to your face? Well. I'm sorry, this is a genius solution. <laughs> Nobody's with me, that's fine. You guys, fine. When I'm riding the, the millionaire train to Money Town... No stops for you. I know, I'm no a co-creator. I came up with the idea of putting Rico on it, so I deserve... Some that's a horrible you. idea. Okay, Horrible wow. idea. Do you two always fight like this? Because yes. if I have to sit between you two... The, we do it for the crowds. Yeah, that's they're both grounded. That's why you're sitting here. So you're safe. We do it up. Something's going on behind anyway, us. I don't else? know what it is. It's probably a drug deal. We're at the LP. Oh, I hope so. so. Jesus Christ. I, you know what? That's one thing that bugged me about Porkfest. You can find some drugs, but not all. <laughs> well, you live in California. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a smorgasbord. It's great. So the Hampshire. biggest benefits of being in this state. New Hampshire, maybe. Here you have wild. to show your drugs to get in, to get in the club. <laughs> yeah. like, you have exactly. nothing, like, sir? You didn't, I'm sorry, you didn't we can't. Girls? Uh, let me, let me uh, check your pockets, sir. Okay, you've got several hits of ecstasy. <laughs> Go ahead, then. <laughs> so, top five favorite LP candidates. Michael Bolton, go. I don't know any of them. <laughs> I just Supreme. know Adam and Jacob. And Adam, I consider an old friend, and I love him personally. Um, and Jacob is someone that I learned from for many, many years. Like even before I got taught really you active, fuck. like uh, yeah, <laughs> he wow. taught me all my ninja skills. <laughs> they don't um, call him Horny Burger for nothing, eh? It's so, true, Bolden. You don't know this about Bolden, but he can disappear into any yeah. any. It doesn't matter what the wallpaper is; he can disappear into it. And they've run some articles of mine at Future Freedom Foundation, so that's always kind of wins me so over. This is really a kickback. Yeah, he bought. You. I'm in. I'm in on that. So, but yeah, Jacob is just so consistent in his messaging. Uh, whether a 30 it's 30-year track record. Yeah, so like, you know. he is really, really great in the principles. I don't know what the right person is for the Libertarian Party. I'm not. I mean, I would vote. Uh, I just never am compelled to. At least I haven't been yet. I tried for Ron Paul but failed. The Secretary of State said, sent me a message a few months later, a letter that say, said my registration wasn't on file, so it didn't count. But 
I don't know. Those they are the only personally two. Sent, they personally wrote you a letter? Yeah, they said, well, I'm sure it was a form letter, but <laughs> I did get a letter what, like five about, months later. Instead of naming people just as a spectator, as someone who won't vote probably, what, who, what kind of candidate would you want representing that libertarian message? What, what are the types of things you'd want them talking about? I'm not into what the – so I came to where I am now heavily through the influence of Harry Brown back in the day. And I'm, then I met Michael Badnerick years ago. He gave me a gun lesson, still makes fun of me to the – to this day, anytime I see him, how bad I am compared to my partner, Sarah, who's got really good groupings and I suck. But so I like the real hardcore messaging. I think the party, if it's going to exist and it's going to promote the word libertarian, I think the party is only effective if they're teaching people what libertarian is, not Bob Barr, drug warrior. Uh, Gary Johnson is a really good guy, but he was milk toast. So I. In a way, he got the most votes, but an app for flubbing. And, and could he, he have gotten way more or, votes if he was hardcore or, on or, everything? Or, or could somebody have gotten more votes if they weren't? Again, he was kind of flubbing around, and Bill Weld was an atrocious sub. Weld is terrible, for BB. terrible. So, and my question is: Look, as libertarians, for right now, should we, to your point, should we accept? Look, we're not going to win. It's about education, number yes. one. Or should we look at it from the point again? I always come back to. Like ability and making libertarians not a I think you can actually do both. I mean, you're not going to win. We're all not going to win. National level, but there are wins that happen more and more often on a local level. That's a question, though. Should we? Should we? Should somebody go up there tonight? Maybe me, and be like, "Look, (laughs) uh, we're not going to win. Accept that, and accept that we need to build before we do anything. We need to win more people. Like Mark talked about it. We all talked about it. By brick. That's how Jeff Dice put it at the Mises Institute's annual supporter. Porter Summit, he said, literally, you you only win, at least in Jeff's view, and I think he's absolutely right, you win it brick by brick by winning over individuals. If you're talking about individual yeah. liberty, then winning over individuals seems like a pretty fucking good strategy, well, right? Well, I mean, Ron Paul did, and I know people were, you know, certain people think that you shouldn't, we shouldn't even have a candidate, like voting, you know, screw uh, voting, screw the system. I reject that because yeah. it's, if we're talking about the best way to reach a, a mass amount of people, having a candidate in there is as long as you can get into the debates or get some sort of platform is how you can do it. Now, Ron Paul was a Republican yeah. for Christ's sakes running, but he was the most libertarian person we've ever had uh, espousing our values in, I don't even know what, when's the last time you can think of anybody who had the At least on a national Paul, stage. On a national stage. And that's the thing. And Ron Paul, he still, even though he went on a little too long and a little too detailed in what he was talking about, which is good for education as long as people are paying attention yeah. and can follow it. Ron Paul would lose people because he would go too into the weeds at times. So those of us who are know this, we go, yeah, man, I'm with you. But the average viewer, they go, what the fuck is he talking Hornberger about? doesn't have that problem. No, no. In my view. pretty good about so it. So Hornberger, I think, so to me, I think the best communicator for liberty in my lifetime was Harry Brown. Like, and just so good, so clean on every single issue. He could make it resonate with the person without having to go into another area. And that type of communication skill with good social media and good digital marketing can reach a lot of people. And you're right. A win really is about winning over people yeah. at this point. Well, that's where, too, you know, Mark Whitney was on. And I really did. I I find him to be a likable candidate and he is knowledgeable. And, you know, it's, it was fascinating listening to the interview he, that he did with Odie on, on Felony Friday. But talking about how he worked at a radio, radio station back in the day that had like three libertarian DJs. Good luck finding that now. But, I mean, being able to communicate that is pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and being able to... I like that he is personal. He can talk on the issues just like Hornberger. Now, I need to go far more in depth on Whitney. I know a lot about Hornberger. I don't know a lot about Whitney yet. But I think that he should definitely be in a conversation as somebody that, I mean, when I cast my my tokens, 
I'm going to put one in Mark Whitney's basket to get him on the next level and the next level debate for the party because he can communicate. And Gary Johnson, even though you, you know some people were impressed, and you said he, you know, you thought he was okay. For me, he was not a good communicator. No, not at all. At all. Well, and he's also he was milk toast in some of his views, so he wasn't. He won Larry Sharp over. That's what brought Larry I mean, Sharp. Well, I mean, Gary's Once a nice a while, guy. You get one. Know, Every time I've met Larry Gary Sharp, over the Larry years, Gary has always been nice to me. I think he's a nice person, and he means well. He just isn't oh, hardcore on liberty. Yeah, and I think in the in the the situation that we're facing today, where the ruling class at every level, state, federal, local, is really anti-liberty. Having a refreshing message of something completely different all the time, I think that has a chance of winning some people over. And if it doesn't, then maybe some generation in the future can follow up with well, that. I mean, you got to build the foundation today. Right. And also, like, you look at it, and I've made this point before, too, and I think we all will agree this is true, that we had people that voted for Ron Paul, and now... The last election, they voted for Trump. Oh, and gross. you go, how are these two things? How can you overlap so much with these two people? But it's because a lot of people are anti-establishment. Oh, and right. from a base level, they go, I want something different and yeah. new. Those same people that drew, voted for Ron Paul voted for Trump. And now a lot of them might end up voting for Bernie, Bernie. Sanders. Yeah. And ideologically, these things cannot be farther apart. Yeah. But they want something different. They want a unique voice. And I think, if, again, the communication side, to communicate that unique positioning of, look, we want to turn this system on its head. But a lot of people that are supporting Bernie, they might not be socialist nutbags, but they like that he wants to fight back against the system. And if we have a he libertarian, he wants to end the drug war, and he's that. a little yeah, bit less bad on foreign policy. I get it. I would bit. never vote for him. But no, well, neither would I. Uh, but I think you know. So it's it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of it, man. I mean, I do. Th I still think at this point, probably Hornberger might be the best candidate. But like I said, I'm I'm open and. You know, truth, even Vermin Supreme, he, he turns people off because of the boot thing. But at the core, he's an intelligent he's man. He's legit. got a he's yep. got a nice um, platform to talk to people about. It's just the average voter, though, is not going to vote for a man with a boot on his head. Not usually. Not usually. But, but the average voter, boot the average voter is yeah, usually Bloomberg versus, boot. Bloomberg versus boot. We haven't seen the polls on that yet. So, and, and I already have, uh, I already have Vermin Supreme's uh, running phrase: "We need boots on the ground." Oh, that's great. <laughs> Mark Whitney's just keep banging. Real? Oh, I yeah. just saw the. I saw that's hilarious. He's next to the that really comes from table. knocking on doors. Oh, I know open. that's yeah. hilarious though. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you see that the Young Americans for Liberty are suing Bernie Sanders? That is so dumb. Over the, I agree. It's, that's it's really a, dumb. It's a little, a little. Stupid. I thought that was a joke that they were suing. I no, did too. I saw but they're like, surely that's a joke because it's the it's what not. is it? Um, Operation went at the door. Operation went at the door. And somebody sent out a text from the Bernie campaign that says, you know. It's this is our operation win of the door. It's not an official campaign slogan. So they're suing him for intellectual property. I think Kinsella would probably have something to say about that. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I just don't know if that's really like I get it seems like the wrong fight to I get to, the to, idea of trying to like inject your message into yeah. whatever conversation. It may be more happening. about publicity for them. I was well, exactly. I was anything else. Because they had there were mainstream articles about it. Yeah. Yep. And and then to your point, it could be a, you know, the argument made if you're gonna sue about something. Why don't you sue the government about any number or your local county or your local whatever about these atrocious civil rights violating policies that you have on every day playing out? But no, let's focus on suing Bernie Sanders campaign. Who who gives a shit, man? Come on. Who gives a shit? Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to chat about? Or should um, we let Brian go, to go get his baby? Go feed his baby. Well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to think what other things uh, are top of mind. I don't, I don't know, man. 
You know, I'll have more to say after tomorrow because tomorrow a, night is the presidential and, and chair debate. So maybe I'll do a separate something or other yeah. after that. Well, here's a question for you. Or we could do a wrap up for ELL, maybe something. something yeah, we could do a wrap lines. up. But what, one more, show for one you, more but. topic quick and then we'll let's call it a day. But OK, new host. Yeah. <laughs> better host. <laughs> um, host who clearly doesn't have to pee as much. No, as I, and I, you know, it's funny. I said this because I was talking to Eric Larson, uh, you know, Doc Eric Larson, our buddy who knows Justin Amash very well. And I wonder, though, because there was talk about Amash getting in the race for Libertarian. And I almost too late. I question what number it's too late now. But even if he did, I, it almost seems like that'd be a complete waste of his time. And yes. at this, this is going to be a referendum. On he really Trump. should just if try you to hate become Trump, you're going to vote against him. Again, if you like Trump, you're going to vote for him. And libertarians really this election cycle, I think, have no place at the table at all. Nope. I think it would be, if anything, next election cycle. If Trump wins again, then it's a brand new world. He cannot keep running. People are going to be furious about Trump's platform and positions. You might have some Democrats that come over because Trump doesn't seem like he's living up to his anti-war message. So there's room for a libertarian can to come in and be like, look, I mean, God, if Bernie wins and you know, obviously shit's going to hit the fan as far as socialism and all that bullshit, well, that's, that's if where libertarian can, can come in. I actually make the case pretty often that the worst thing on the right to keep and bear arms is to have a Republican-controlled government mm -hmm. because then there's no opposition. They yeah. pretend. Same with the national yeah. debt, too. They pretend to be opposition when Democrats are in power. And Tom of Mullen course. was tweeting about this yesterday, too. He was basically saying the best is um, a, a what is he saying? A Democrat president and a Republican Congress right, is yeah, the exactly. only thing that creates gridlock. Yep. Because yep. then Republicans at least pretend to be small government once in a while. But I think, you know, when it comes to having a place at the table, it's always the most important election of our lifetime. And it's like you always have to vote against the Trump or the Obama yeah. or for it's rather it's rarely ever for anything positive. And that's why I think it's so important for the Libertarian Party. It just an overall lover of liberty. I want to see more liberty. I think it's really important for the LP to actually inject that message of liberty rather than electability. You need someone who mm -hmm. has the actual passion, not someone that's just running to give a high profile for a book or yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. They may, may be raising money for a bunch of campaign staff that they want to pay for four months. Is I'm that not saying that did? happens. I'm just saying that's what happens every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that welded? Yeah. Clearly. Oh, that's welded into Johnson campaign. I mean, essentially, whether or not that's what it was intended. That's what it was. It was a lot more of that than it was an educational campaign. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of these people were passionate about the ideas of liberty like even the three of us or most people here are. So I think that LP should at least reflect what hopefully most of its membership is, which are people that are passionate about liberty. Because if you're not, why are you spending your Saturday here at the Doubletree when it's a beautiful day out and we could all be doing a million, million other things? No. But it's almost like I want the Libertarians campaign slogan for 2020 to be like, not this year, you know? And just like, <laughs> let's, let's figure this shit out. Let's build... Yeah. let's get more libertarians you know and then come back strong in 2024 with a, a real you can pitch that later on tonight people. yeah I, I maybe i'll be maybe i'll run no one will investigate we me won't win but neither will you yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, not this year and then is that basically the none of the above vote yeah pretty much man i mean but it's like again coming back to education and likability and you know what's going to get us more libertarians converted mm. over the next in this election cycle where there's no chance well there's also the argument to be made for ballot access so i've heard sarwark for example yeah. talk about this and i it's something i hadn't thought about i'm like oh all education he's like but a lot of the down ballot people they don't get to get their message out of, as much if they're not even on the ballot. Right. So there is something to be said for that as well, and probably something that's outside of my expertise completely. I mean, you're a political party, so it's not a non-issue. Obviously, ballot access has to be an issue or else, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But hopefully you can do that while 
keeping the, the right message along the way and not just changing your positions to get those ballot oh, access. Because yeah, then point. what's the point? Yeah, then because if you're changing your message, then... You might want to sell it in a different way to certain audiences yeah. in certain areas, but it has to still be the right message. Yeah. Well, that seems like a good message to end this little chat on. <laughs> All right. It's a lot longer weekend. I'm going to be doing a lot more here. So it's been fun, gentlemen. Indeed. Live yeah. long. And live free. Bolton doesn't even know our catchphrase. It's so sad. Thank <laughs> you.